0: I wonder if you've ever revisited a town that you know really well, but haven't been there for a while. And it's not quite how you've remembered it to be. Perhaps you'd lived there. Or maybe you've regularly visited it. And then there's that gap before you return. And in the meantime, while you've been away, the, the shops have changed hands, the buildings might have been demolished. One-way systems have been introduced, and so on. Is it really the same place that you knew? When, as a family, in 2014, we went on our summer holidays to the Commonwealth Games at Glasgow, I thought I knew the area round about Paisley quite well. I'd been at university there for four years, and uh, but that had been more than 20 years earlier and much of the area around the town centre had changed. The university had grown and built across some roads, even. Uh, going past my old digs that I'd lived in in first and second year, there was zooming traffic belting along uh, a previously non-existing uh, 70 mile an hour dual carriageway. It, it all seemed so different. And people change too, don't they? People that you've not seen for some time. I'll visit my mum and the town that I grew up in this week. And as I walk along the the streets, there's people there that I know I should recognise, that I should remember. Uh, But will I? Might they have changed? Probably quite considerably. In, in many ways, we we all grow older and we maybe look a bit different, uh, and it's a different context from when I was a teenager when I used to live there. What about us here in Lindfield, as weeks and months pass that we are unable together, we might still have heard each other's voice, and we might hear those voices and know by the accent who the person is Uh, but we might have changed in other ways we might have had voices as people have done a bible reading we might have had voices as they've been on the telephone to pray but without much of the interaction unless we've been speaking to that individual on the phone we maybe miss something of what's going on in their life and particularly as we pass one another in the street wearing our masks we might not recognize each other some of us will have changed in a few different ways things will have happened in our lives. Though I guess no one's life will have changed quite as dramatically as Saul on the road to Damascus. He's now a believer in Jesus. He has a zeal for telling many others the good news that God loves, forgives and promises hope. He promises new life. And that, is not what many are expecting. If we were to look at Galatians chapter one alongside this passage, it suggests that this reading actually covers a period of about three years in the life of the early church and of that new convert. And in that time, everyone finds it hard to get a grip on what has happened. For the Christian believers, there's the question of whether they can trust a man who has persecuted their friends. And for the non-Christians, there is the challenge of hearing the message that he brings. Being told that their past understandings are wrong, that they need to accept that Jesus is the Christ. He has been the promised Messiah that's come among them. Everyone, at some point, struggles to accept so. I wonder what it's like to be told that our understanding on any topic is wrong. Maybe that it's our sports team is not worthy of being supported. How would we feel if somebody told us that? We'd think that that other person was wrong. Uh, Maybe we've been told that we've been making a social media faux pas with an emoji that means something much ruder than we thought. Or maybe we've been pronouncing a word or even a name wrongly for years. Now take that thought of upset, uh, of embarrassment, of anger maybe multiply it a hundred times over. Imagine that you are hearing Saul open the scriptures to you. That he is saying, not just you, but your family and your friends have always been mistaken. That you've always had a misunderstanding. That the scriptures have been misread. Even if you hear the authority in his voice as the Holy Spirit guides his words, would you accept or reject what he is telling you? Some will be open, but others are clearly not. And they treat the teaching as heresy, and he must flee for his life. What about today? Today on brothers and sisters in Christ, in China, in Afghanistan, in Yemen, Libya, Sudan, to name just a few countries. They seek to open the gospel to those who have a different understanding of faith in God and as a response they might at times have to flee into the night escape with their lives. They might have to seek safe refuge in another land. Saul has become aware of the danger. Perhaps the spirit in him has opened his eyes to the situation. And so his escape is possible. And maybe that's the case for others today. That they must flee. Of course, there's others in the story too. The believers who know him now trust in his word. They are no longer fearful of him as they had been in the past, but they are fearful for him. They have concern for him. And while their own lives too may be at risk, they aid his escape. But if he fled in our direction, Would we welcome him? Would we accept his story or would we treat him with suspicion? Would we turn him away? And what of those who are persecuted today? Would we welcome them or dismiss them as simply another immigrant? The event of Saul arriving in Jerusalem seems to repeat what had first happened in Damascus. Believers doubt his sincerity until Barnabas fulfills the role of introduction to the church, just as Ananias had done. What is notable, of course, is that Saul wants this introduction. He wants to be part of the local body of believers. In either city, Saul could have acted as a lone agent. He could have been an independent character. He could have established his own congregation, formed a new church plant. But now his first step is to offer himself to the established faith community. He recognises their presence and becomes part of their fellowship joining with them in full. Accepting Jesus is Lord means we are linked by the Spirit into the one holy Catholic and apostolic church that is around the world too. The one church. The the one church that those who are persecuted are also part of but we also need to play our part in a local church too. We are part of that one church but we need that local connection. We need to contribute our time, our effort and give financially to our local fellowship. Accepting the privilege and the responsibility of being a believer within that community, recognising that we all have a part to play. Saul actually wasn't quite the right person to preach in Jerusalem. His call was elsewhere. It was among the Gentiles. He just didn't quite jump in there at this time. He didn't quite know it at this time. And we each must serve our right purpose in the church, rather than the purpose that we might think is right. And then, when we perform that role, when we play our part, when we join with the other bricks that builds the church, the word spreads, the church grows. It flourishes, it blooms. It happened across Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. It would happen across the Mediterranean. It happens around the world. The kingdom would grow as people discovered the law, as they discovered the love of God. And the same is true today. So let us play our part and share his love. Amen.